Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I am Ben, and today we have an awesome conversation between Elise and Doug Trachtman. Doug Trachtman is a 26-year-old artist, musician, and food pantry coordinator. He grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and went to school at Temple University, and now is living in the Lehigh Valley area. Doug began making art as a child and drew frequently until high school when he took drawing classes and absolutely hated it. In college, Doug got back into creating both music and visual art. During his senior year of college, he turned his apartment into a makeshift art gallery and hosted two art shows that featured his own art and some of his friends. Post-college, Doug has been working on creating a brand surrounding his art and trying to vend it locally. His work is characterized by its bright colors and various happy subjects. His work is currently on view at the Artbeat Cafe, which is located at 432 State Avenue, Emmaus, Pennsylvania, 18049. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me. Wow, you really just went into like podcast voice there. I didn't realize there was going to be an audible difference. Um, but thank you. Yeah, I've I've dreamed of this ever since I first heard about it two weeks ago. Um, happy to be here. Is, is podcast voice different from my regular voice? Uh, it just felt like a little bit more composed. Like, oh, okay. like I don't know, went a little less casual, I guess. I do often come off as not composed, so. No, I always wonder that, and I wonder if other people, like other artists that we've had on the show, if their families and friends listen to it, and they're like, doesn't even sound like them. I always wonder. You'll have to give us feedback and let yeah, us know. I mean, I think I probably articulate a little bit differently when I'm in front of a microphone, um, I did. I did used to have my own podcast with a friend in college, where we just did random stuff. Um, we it was called. I mentioned to you, to this to you in person, um, like two weeks ago. It was called Bop It with Gabe and Doug, and we would play Bop It. Um, I bought the original Bop It, but I had the Extreme Two version already, and uh, that's my podcasting history experience. It was very low quality, but it was fun to do. So I figured this would be a fun thing to do talk in front of a microphone and pretend that I have cool stuff to say. I'm sure you do. First and foremost, what the hell is an extreme bop it too? So you it's the it's the one that you probably know of the bop it extreme two has the the spin it and the uh the the flick it. The the there's only three controls on the original bop it, but the extreme two has five. And so I guess I could connect this to my art somehow is that in my early drawing of this project, which was like in 2021, I drew a Bop It and I put it on my Instagram and the creator of Bop It liked it. And then I reached out to him and I was like, you're a huge inspiration to me. and I love you. And he just like liked the comment. And that was a really big deal to me. <laughs> I follow him now. You know, he just talks about Bop It stuff. Yeah, that's more than I've ever known about Bop It. So thank you. So I'd love if you'd just kind of tell us about your work. I work at a food pantry and food pantries are cool. It was not something I ever saw myself doing, but I started volunteering at one over the pandemic and they asked me to work there because the person who was running it was like trying to not work there anymore because she needed to take care of her mother or something. And so I've been doing that for a little over a year and I really enjoy that. And I've made, I made an art piece for them for my like year working there. And that's something that's like kind of very important to me is working like to give back to the community and society and stuff like that. And I'm really lucky to be a part of like this kind of program. Um, it's really great. We give out lots of nice stuff and pandemic and the world has been tougher than ever. So I'm just always very glad to uh, be a part of something like that. And 
yeah, I'd like to do more volunteering, but I only do it sometimes. This I get paid to do now, so it's not volunteering. I was going to say, that's your full that's your full time. Yeah, thing. Uh, I used to be a volunteer there, but I am not anymore. You said you didn't go to art school. You went to business school, right? And- I went to business school. I studied, it was called innovation management and entrepreneurship, which is kind of like, honestly, it's like a little bit of a bullshit major. It's like, you want to start your own company, maybe. Um, here's like, it was useful. Like here's tools to like help you guide towards that. And so if you already had something, you're like, well, I make clothing and I'm going to start a clothing company. Like they can hook you up with, uh, learning how to talk to funders and how to market yourself and do finances and all these other things. But a lot of it is just like, for me, like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I like, I really like creative idea side of like, here's this idea. Like we're going to bring that into the world. And I always really liked that. Um, but it just, I kind of chose it because it wasn't so solid on a path, but it also kind of ended up hurting me. Cause at the end I was like, I don't exactly know what I want to do. Like I, I've run like little small companies, like my Fiverr company or my art business, but nothing like that I wanted to do like full time or anything. So I, I enjoyed school, like the things, the people I met and the things I did and I got to try some cool stuff and meet a lot of interesting companies, but I'm kind of glad that I've gone towards nonprofit stuff. I certainly don't know if I'll stay there forever because it's certainly not the most well compensated, but you know, I I enjoy being part of it. Like this comes up a lot, but we have this like concept we always cut with like your, your, your full-time gig, your day job or whatever. And then do you find it difficult to make time for the art, the art part? I'm very obsessive with my art, I will say. And so if I want to do it badly enough, like I'll make time for it. But it's very dependent on if I feel like I'm having good ideas. Because sometimes if I go into start drawing and I don't have an idea, it's very tough for me. And I'll just sit in front of the paper and I'm like, I could draw anything, but I don't know what to draw. And I'll start something and I'm like, no, that's not good. Like I need to have somewhat of a fleshed out idea to start. So I spend a lot of time just like daydreaming or whatever at work of, or not really daydreaming, but like thinking of like what I can do and at least the way I work now, it's not too rigorous. So I tend to be, have a pretty good schedule with it. It's more the way I, I tend to be very hard on myself. And so I like, I make a lot of stuff. I usually probably average like, I don't know, like two or three drawings a week, at least like this week I haven't, well, it's only Monday last week. I didn't draw, um, just cause like I had been making a lot of stuff. So I try to balance like taking breaks cause otherwise I'm just like going all the time. And that actually in the past has gotten stressful cause I almost feel like I put myself on like a schedule with a quota and it's like, you haven't been creative enough this week. Like you need to do something to like, you know, solve that. And so that can be tough on me mentally. So I try to be better about taking breaks uh, these days. And so I do, you know, make a lot of stuff, but I kind of balance space when I like put it out or whatever. Like I sometimes I'll draw like five things in a week and then it won't come out for, you know, two or three weeks later, depending on how my schedule is. I also have to... For those listening, um, tell you how cool your shirt is. I love that you wore a shirt with your own artwork on it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I have one of my older designs called uh, Don't Have a Jazz Attack, which is like this jazzy alligator guy. Um, I was in Manhattan, and there's this store. It's a chain store called Uniqlo. You might know of it. It's like a big Korean clothing store, and they happen to have this 
program where they have blank white shirts and any thing that you wanted printed on your phone uh, on the shirt that you have on your phone or whatever you could just print and so i was with my family we just printed a bunch of shirts and i've made other shirts too but like of this one is just this little print machine they had there so uh i figured it would be apt you know to represent myself and not wear like someone else's art totally uh my favorite part is the foot question mark written on the alligator's surprisingly human four-toed pink foot that yeah um (laughs) Like, I could try to explain these things, but it's it's very much just like, what else can I draw? And then I'll draw something. I, I do have, like, kind of a sense of humor about some of my artwork. Sometimes it's a little bit more serious, but I like to throw jokes and puns in sometimes, um, depending on, you know, the subject or whatever. I was also curious, um, do you ever work with other artists or do you kind of engage with the, the greater artist community in the area or is this something you're interested in? So to give kind of a timeline in 2021, when I started like doing art again, this kind of style and the stuff I have my Instagram right now, I did that from I think April to about November and I was drawing little pictures and then I took basically like a year off and I started again last October after I was in New York for a weekend and I saw a jazz show and I was like, (laughs) I want to draw. It was also like after I got the shirt made and I was like, oh, I have this shirt, like maybe I should make more drawings. And so now that I've been drawing, you know, for, I don't know, it's been all, it's like three quarters of a year or something. uh, Again, I really only in the last three months have I been trying to get more into the art community. I know we met at the Artbeat Cafe uh, art meetup thing, which that to me is like a really nice, like low risk kind of situation when it's like a big group sometimes i'm not like the best at socializing in different things so something like that was always really nice to me how it's like small and you know it's very casual and networking when you're actually making art is the best because you don't have to make eye contact with people and like look around the room you just be like oh i'm drawing this and we're talking it's it's really great and so i really like that and then i have went to, I only went to one, but I want to start getting more involved in like the alternative gallery stuff. Yeah. I went to one of their uh, meetups and that was fun as well. Um, I'd like to, you know, be part of more of the community. I haven't really done a lot of collaborative stuff in a long time. I do have plans with a friend of mine, actually someone I met at the uh, Art Beat Cafe to maybe work on a piece together. I think that would be fun, you know, get us both outside of, you know, what we normally do and try something different. I, yeah, I'd love to collaborate and try new and different things. I will say I met Doug a couple of weeks ago at one of our community artist meetups at Artbeat Cafe, and he immediately facilitated uh, a group activity where we each took turns drawing on a sketch and then would pass it to the next person. And I feel like uh, very the attitude that you put into the activity was very reflective of your artwork because after after seeing like what the final product of a lot of them was it was all like foot question mark and like horse eat pizza and, like so, a bunch of really random weird stuff so i i appreciated that that like made my whole day that was yes yeah, so super like fun. with the activity i just figured everyone would be kind of trying to work to make the most interesting piece of art they could but i also saw it sort of as a game and because you're passing it to the next person if you, if everyone else is taking it a little bit more seriously than me and I write something specific, they have to like take that as, you know, oh, we have to go off of this. Like I just wrote 
about stubbing my toe. Now that has to be included. And so I just figured if I could like mess with the other people by including weird things and it made it more creative. So I think everyone enjoyed that. I, I don't know like where I got that game from. I know it's obviously not something I made up, but I feel like my older sister, she would go to like acting camps and she'd always come back with all these improv games they would play. Uh, and I feel like it's reminiscent of something like that where it's just like you start, it's kind of like, you know, it's like whisper down the alley where like someone says something and you'd say it's the next person and just like transforms. So yeah. something like that, I guess. That's what I was going to say. It's a very bizarrely visual version of whisper down the alley where you can build off of it if you want, or you can add to it if you want, but you don't really have to. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, so the first time we had like six people and we just drew on paper, we had, I brought crowns, uh, and I usually draw with crowns, but they were like a very low investment piece of art material that I could bring. And then there were some markers and stuff, and we just passed it around. You had one minute to draw whatever you wanted and pass to the right. Um, and it, it went quickly, and then we did it a second time, and the second time I think there were eight people, and I made everyone draw with their non-dominant hands, which made it a lot trickier. Um, but it was it was like, it was still good, you know. It was, it was much more challenging because... I feel like no one really draws with their non-dominant hand that often. I mean, someone does, but not most people. A lot of people wrote, too, and then the handwriting was progressively worse because oh, I did, I did. having to write with their non-dominant hand, I, I found it very Writing very with difficult. my dominant hand is not so good, so, I mean, <laughs> non-dominant is worse. Very good. Well, we are here to talk about your artwork in particular, and... I love that you mentioned in your bio that you frequently made art as a child, took a drawing class, hated it, and then kind of got back into it. So I'd love if you'd just kind of tell us about your work. Yeah, so as a kid, I guess, I used to draw like, like I was into manga because my friend got me into manga. So I draw like little characters and stuff like that. And I was never very good at drawing like people or faces, but that's what I would always try to draw. And I would draw like superheroes and other, you know, stuff like that when I was young. And then in ninth grade, I took drawing class and I sat next to this kid named Jason. I'm not going to say his last name because he's obviously listening. Um, and he like every day he would just talk about how like his life goal was to be on Jersey Shore, the television program. We were in ninth grade, so it's not like we could drink or anything, but he was like, yeah, gym tan laundry, like that's going to be my life. And he's like, you know, this skinny white kid like me. So it's not like we think we're going to be, all, I don't know. It was just a very bizarre situation. The thing that I like other than that, which was a really big part of it, um, was that I, you know, I, as an artist, I have my strengths and weaknesses. And I feel like my biggest strengths are my stylistic choices and not my like technical aspects. So some of the projects were interesting, like we did two-point perspective and stuff, which makes like cool 3D shapes and things like that. And then we did like, you had to like draw some picture that you picked like accurately. And I did two canon. I, mine wasn't very good. And it just like, wasn't something I enjoyed and it made it too like regulated and because it was graded, like I, I didn't, I don't like my art being like graded on a scale by like one objective or subjective person, obviously like. She's, I guess the teacher is trying to like include how hard you tried, but I don't know. Also, another kid that sat next to me was weird too. There's just so many weird people that draw. I'm one of them, but these people were not the people that I wanted to sit near where I was drawing. So fair enough. Jason, I hope you figured all of that out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's really hard, like in school, and it's hard. One, I think it's hard to teach art but too it, it's hard to 
um, if you already like making art, it's hard to like kind of fit into a confine where something is graded. I always had that issue in school too, where when I was a kid, I always liked making art. I was like, I want to be an artist. And then I just got really discouraged when I would take classes in school because I felt like I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely more of just like, you know, figured out creative kind of stuff and less. I certainly, I am a big appreciator of, you know, people who can draw accurate faces and people and forms and things like that, but that's never been my strength. And so I spent a lot of years not drawing after that. And I didn't really get back into making any kind of physical art until really in college. Um, at college, I just kind of decided at one point that I wanted to like, just be I guess more experimental, I could say, just trying new things. And like the podcast is one of the projects I tried. I just started like drawing all kinds of stuff. And in my final years of college, I lived in an apartment with two of my friends from high school. Um, I was actually only friends with one of them from my high school, but we like we both went, we all went to the same high school, but I wasn't friends with one of them during high school. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, they were good roommates in that they let me put whatever I wanted all over the walls of our apartment. And I turned our apartment into like my makeshift um, art gallery. And some of the pieces were like, a, like thought out. Like I, I drew this. It's like interesting. And other ones were literally like, I, I think I probably explained some of this to you. I put a, a sheet of bubble wrap on the wall where I popped all the bubbles. Cause I didn't want anyone to be able to pop the bubbles and they'd be like, Oh, there's bubble wrap. I'm going to go pop it. And then they couldn't. And like, that feeling of I can't pop the bubbles and I wanted to like, that's art. Um, you know, it's like <laughs> art could be anything can be imp like in putting a feeling on someone. So I also, we had a pair of jeans on the wall that I put up there. There was my roommate's uh, carton of almond milk was on the, it was empty. Of course it wasn't like milk on the wall. Um, just like I, I printed out a picture of Kevin James and I put that on the wall. Just like there were, you know, real like drawings too, but there was just a lot of, nonsensical things that I thought made it more fun. Um, one of the collections on the wall was in maybe 2018, something like that. I, I interned at a company over the summer and it was a, a tech company called Crossbeam. And I'm not a tech person, but I, I studied business. So that's how I fit in there. And it was two founders and five interns when we started. And like the first day we were all, the interns were just like sitting at this little office. We were rent a sharing an office with this other company that my boss used to work or own or he was the CEO or something. And there was no logo for the company. So I was like, I'm going to draw a logo for the company. And I just took out like a sheet of notebook paper and I drew with pencil and I wrote crossbeam on it. And then the <laughs> next day I was like, well, like that logo, you know, I could have, I could have done more. So I, I drew another logo. And then second logo was like a little bit more involved. And then I just decided to draw a logo every day that I was there and I hung them up around like there was this whole collection. I started bringing markers. It's not like I spent a lot of time. Like I spent like 15 minutes in the morning and it's not like I was being paid much. So, was, you know, was, no one cares. Um, and then paid for your art. They some of them got like more. They would get like more and more abstract. Some of them had like nothing to do with the company or even look like a logo because um, it was called Crossbeam. Like one of them was like Jesus on the cross and like a laser beam and stuff like that. Um, that was like just a fun, weird project that I did. So I had all of those logos hung up in our apartment and we had like styrofoam heads that I drew all over. We just, so we just had stuff all over. And so I, I had, we had these two big art shows um, that I hosted. The first one 
Well, my, my apartment was called Dreamland because um, I always thought it was cool when like a place has a name. So I was like, we're going to name it. And uh, it was named after Kirby's Dreamland from Super Smash Brothers. Well, it's not from that, but it's in that. And uh, yeah, we had an art show and we put up, I put up this giant piece of paper on the wall that someone gave to me because I don't own any giant paper. And we, I bought markers and everyone got to uh, like draw on it. So we had this huge collective mural and I bought snacks because... If you go to college parties, at least the ones where I went to school at Temple, like, you know, there's drinking and there's loud music and stuff, but there's never any snacks. And I was like, you know, if I went to a party and I wanted to go there, like there'd be snacks. So I went and I bought a bunch of snacks and beer and I played music at it. Um, and it was a really good time. And then we did another art and like friends brought art. And uh, so we had lots of other people's art hanging up for a while. And then I, we did the same thing, but like more intense a bunch of months later. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'd said a lot of things. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. And what was the, what was the reaction to the, the artwork that you had presented? So a lot of people had already just came in and out of our apartment. Cause my roommate just knew a lot of people. So like, even not during the art show, like people would come and just like, look at the stuff we had. Um, but during the art show, I think people like really had a lot of fun with it just cause like. Some of the pieces were like kind of cool, but more like more of the ones my friends brought were like actually good, well done pieces. But mine, it was just like fun and people seemed to enjoy it because I, Philadelphia has a cool art scene, but I was never really involved with it, at least at that point. So I always just wanted like an alternative to like frat parties that I didn't really like. So I just kind of created what I thought would be like a fun thing to do. And I think it like really reciprocated well and like people talked about it, at least the people I knew, like all seemed to be really into it. And so I'd love to do something like that again sometime. Um, maybe like more organized. From like an art history standpoint, there's a huge precedent for like people just hosting art shows in their house. Like that's very salon style. <laughs> but uh sounds way better than for Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Our, our apartment was like a pretty good setup. And so it ended up working out. Yeah. College was just a good time to try lots of stuff out. Um, another thing that I did, which is not related to my art is that I just say this cause it's always fun to tell people I used to own a store on the website Fiverr, which is a service marketplace where you can sell anything you want starting at like $5 or whatever, but services. So like graphic design or like writing or film editing or something. And so I started this store that sold uh, band names, puns and backhanded compliments. Cause <laughs> It like really puns was the first idea because I, I don't know why I looked it up, but I looked up and there was like two people selling puns on Fiverr. And I was like, I could do that. And honestly, I'm not that good at puns, but I did sell a bunch. I didn't sell any backhanded compliments and I sold some band names. Um, honestly, I have no idea if the people use them, but like one of the projects was like, we're a lawn care company, like come up with puns for us. And so I feel like the ones I came up with are like pretty general, but there was like lawn in order and like lawn of the ring or something with R R lord of the rings i think i don't remember but i i just made up a bunch of puns and i sent them to people and so i was really proud of the fact that i like made a little bit of money doing that it's like the best college side gig i've ever heard yeah i mean it wasn't i i didn't make much but it was it was <laughs> worth doing it a few times and then like when people actually did order i was like what do you do like what's wrong with you <laughs> Why are you going to me on the internet? Like, you're so dumb to pick me to do these puns that I offered to make for you. I'm not even that good. at. I mean, obviously, I didn't say that, but like, you know, that's a reputable on your, on your part. That's questionable. I mean, 
buy dumber shit than that, I right? Was, <laughs> yeah, I, it was only $5, so it wasn't like very expensive. They're just like, oh, look at this poor crazy man selling puns on the internet. I'll, I'll give him $5 for, for his time. Yeah, so like, I think in those stories, you kind of get that I like doing like interesting kind of experimental projects and artwork and... I didn't talk as much about it, but I'm like very into music and I, I like adding like humor into the things I do. So not all my art is humorous, but I definitely like add humor to certain things when I can. Sure. Because that's how I am. Yeah. I feel like you're um, just even from looking at the artwork you shared with us and work on your Instagram and your Etsy that it is you have a very definitive style. Like it's very illustrative and very colorful and. I think a lot of it is very humorous. Is that something you feel like you have uh, found a more defined style like recently or is this kind of a style that you've always worked in? In college, I think I wanted to like draw with markers and I just like Sharpies were markers I knew. So I bought some and I started doing stuff like that. And then after school during the pandemic, like I started, I don't know why, but I bought these big pieces of paper and I made like four or five like really big drawings all with tons of Sharpies. And I have, I've never, I haven't done anything that big since. Um, but I just kind of liked this. They're available in most places. I like, you know, Target or wherever to buy Sharpies and I knew what they would look like. So that's kind of when I started like a, a very kind of defined style. And so people always tell me that my stuff reminds them of Keith Haring. And I certainly never take that as an insult. It's always a compliment, but I, tend not to see it that way. I certainly see the influence, but um, I'm much more influenced by the modern artist Romero Brito, who's like a very famous artist these days. And he probably was very influenced by Keith Haring. And so that's probably where I get that. But it's a lot of like thick black lines on the outside. Um, I go through a lot of black Sharpies and then like colorful stuff on the inside with patterns. And so it's always like very contained in the black outlines, which is like the Keith Haring slash Brito or whoever else does that. And so I just started doing that because my I have a lot of burrito stuff around me. My parents are big art collectors. Um, we would just always go to like my entire childhood. Any like weekend, I would be in like a different place in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, or obviously that's in Pennsylvania, uh, or like New Jersey or something. Going to like um, <laughs> just like outdoor art shows and stuff. And I didn't really like it at the time because I was like, I wish I was you know at home watching TV or something. But it was really cool, like, just getting exposed to all that kind. My parents were always really into, like, bright, colorful artwork, like, happy stuff. And that's just kind of what I adopted. And so my style is sort of based off of those things. It certainly changes as I am starting to get actually a little good at drawing, in my opinion, that I can, like, actually draw straight lines and stuff, <laughs> um, which has taken me quite a while. But, yeah, my my style's, like, just lots of... Lots of like stripes, stripes, you know, like that's a classic thing. I do. I have like a whole kind of language of symbols that I use. Not that they mean certain things, but I use a lot of hearts, X's, stars, uh, spirals, like, you know, simple shapes that I just are like the things I know how to draw and I think would like look well. So it's really to me, it's less about like that I think I'm good at drawing and then I'm good at arranging I think I'm good at arranging pictures like I'm like the subject goes here and the things around it highlight the subject and the only thing I like remember learning in an art class like my whole life I guess was in 
like seventh grade, we were doing some painting thing and the teacher's like, you want the colors and like the things to lead your eye around the picture. So I always like think about like, well, you look at this thing first, but then you want these colors on the side to like draw you away from that a little bit. So you get the whole experience. And so with the colors specifically, like I think a lot about that and I kind of like, it's obviously it's like, I can't like actually draw it and test stuff out. But in my head, I kind of just imagine how the different colors would work. And usually I get it right. Sometimes I don't, but uh, that's how it goes. I was wondering, I, just because of how my brain works, I was wondering when I first saw your artwork, I'd seen it at the cafe before. Um, and I immediately was like, I wonder what that guy's sketchbook looks like. Because I was thinking like, it all looks very, um, when I think of illustration, a lot of the time I picture it mentally as like kind of uh, sketchy or you, like a lot of line work and stuff. And your stuff is so, while it's very like doodly in style and there's a lot of wavy lines and curvy lines and zigzags, it's very clean. And I always am curious, like, do you have like an analog of all or a log of all of these like lines and accents and like additional illustrations so that you use around the subject like of your work? A very good question. And <laughs> the thing is that I don't have a sketchbook. I anytime like I tear a page out of my notebook, I kind of like I want to finish a piece. I want the piece to be like a good piece and I want it to, you know, like be part of the collection. Not everyone, you know, is that. But basically, I draw everything in pencil, and then I go over it in Sharpie black marker for, like, the first thing. And then I double I double outline it. And then if I'm aware of what's going on, I'll take a picture of it because I, I usually have all the black and white pictures. And then I do the color. I have, like, a formula. It's pencil, then inking, then, like, second inking, which is the black marker, then, then is color then detail so like any stuff on top of the color and then i go over all the black again at the end uh, to make it darker and then the final step is i scan it into my computer i email it to myself and then i edit it on my iphone uh because i could like probably use some kind of real professional editor editor but the iphone like photo app i know like how it how the colors react to it and so i have like a, a formula for that as well like I'm not going to give it all away because, you know, that would be, I, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but it's like uh, exposure 25, uh, brilliance 25. Like I have basically sure. like the numbers that I tend to use and certainly I change it sometimes, but um, it's, it's almost very formulaic and half of, I kind of think half the drawing is before the drawing starts is just the ideation. Like I spend a lot of time just like, that would be a good idea to draw or like, I want to draw a subject of this or I want it to be funny, but I don't know what it is. And so it's a lot of just thinking like what I would like to draw, what I think I can draw and like what I have enough space. Like, yeah, there's just like a few different kind of boundaries that I set myself on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was my next question is it seems like you've kind of got a very boiled down technical process for your work, but in terms of creative process, I see a lot of it incorporates like text and humor and pop culture items is there do you have a specific process for that or is that just something that you're like hey I could draw that out in pencil <laughs> it like very much started of just like what I think I could get away with drawing because I, I now can do some like more complex shapes and things but it was always like very limited by what I thought was difficult to draw I like to do animals a lot just because animals are fun I like to draw musicians that I, like a lot of this stuff is music based. Um, 
I'm very into music and music was kind of my like first obsession or like my biggest obsession really. In like high school, I was very into music and I still am. I started playing guitar and I played guitar obsessively for a long time. Um, and so I draw like a lot of jazz and funk and like rock influenced musicians and stuff. And then I also do, I've done like, you know, just objects, like I drew an iPod and things like that. Um, yeah, but I, I like to do, do puns too. Cause I find that people really react to things that are funny and that can at least get me some attention. Um, so I did one. Pretend that you're like looking at all my artwork. There's one called Taking Care of Wizness, which is like a wizard in front of a bunch of stuff. And one of the more recent ones I did was the Guacness monster. It's like a Lockness monster and a thing of guacamole. Um, so one of my, my, one of my, it's not like a pun, but one of my funnier ones was after I was at a wedding in December at my friend's wedding. I felt just, I always feel like even if it's people I know, like I was, it's always awkward at certain things. And so I drew one that said awkward at parties and it's this guy and he says, I'm fitting in. Right. And like all these other things. And so <laughs> I like to just draw stuff that kind of feels relatable. Um, my one, that's probably the, one of my more well-known drawings is my Shrek one that says don't swamp believe in. Hey everyone, during the episode, we did not get a chance to read the audio description of this piece live like we intended to, so we recorded it after the fact. I'm going to have Elise read it now, and then we're going to hop right back into the conversation. This piece is titled, Don't Swamp Believin' Sharpie with Digital Edits. In this colorful illustration, we see a central figure squatting down on a skateboard. The figure appears to be Shrek, a large green ogre with funnel-shaped ears that stick out from the sides of his head. He is wearing a rainbow baseball cap, backwards, triangle-shaped black sunglasses, a blue t-shirt with small black dots and rainbow details on the shoulders, blue pants with colorful patches, and pink and purple checkered shoes. He is squatting on a blue and green skateboard that is tilted up so we can see the rainbow wheels underneath. Shrek grips the edge of the skateboard with his right hand and holds up a hang-loose sign with the other hand. Hovering over his hand is a rainbow bowed between two white clouds. Blocky text along the bottom of the illustration in colorful letters reads, Don't Swamp Believe In. That just was inspired by, I'm a big fan of Shrek, as anyone, you know, of my generation should be, especially with, like, internet culture. And I I was literally, like, just thinking, what can I write under him? Like, he's going to be on a skateboard, and, like, that's what it'll look like. But what, what should it say? And so I went through, like, well... Maybe it could be something with the word Shrek or it could be something with the word donkey or something. I eventually landed on swamp and I did don't swamp believe in. And uh, I really like as much as I love it, I, I don't like the band journey at all. I really don't like that song. Don't stop believing. And so it's kind of a shame that I had to pull from that, but it was worth it in the long run, I guess. Um, so I call my art, like my art name that I picked for myself is Lava Lamp Bebop. Uh, it's really a mouthful. I like lava lamps a lot. I have one and that to me kind of represents the colorful aesthetic that I use and like some of the more like, I guess, psychedelic leanings of things that I like to draw. And the bebop is kind of the music influence to me. Um, bebop, for those of you who don't know, was a movement of jazz uh, that happened in the 1940s, starting in the 1940s, which was like more complex musicians music, they called it, because it wasn't like dancing music. It wasn't like swing music or 
like Frank Sinatra, like lyrical kind of stuff. And uh, I picked that because I think it's a funny word. And I like, I do like jazz a lot, but bebop is not my favorite type of jazz. But like <laughs> the other types of jazz are like, like swing or hard bop, which is like a derivative of the word bebop or fusion and like lava lamp fusion, lava lamp swing, just like wasn't cutting it. And so I was like, bebop, that's a good word. Um, I always thought there's like a popular anime series called Cowboy Bebop. And I always thought it was just like a cool juxtaposition of words. And so I kind of, you know, hearken back to that. I've, I've always been into lots of different types of music, at least since I really started digging into music in like 10th grade. And my dad was always a big jazz fan. So I kind of got into it. And when I was little, I didn't like it. He's like, one day you'll like it. You just, you'll get into it someday. And so now I kind of, I do like it a lot. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's good music. I also draw a lot of Beach Boys stuff because I'm very into the Beach Boys. And uh, I'm actually named after one of the guys from the Beach Boys. Um, his name was Brian Wilson, but his middle name was Douglas or Doug. And I would have been Brian, but I already had a cousin named Brian, so I couldn't be. We couldn't have two Brians in the family. That'd be obnoxious. The Shrek thing is like kind of the one character that I've drawn, like from like an actual franchise. I tend not to want to lean on those kind of things too much. Not like because I think I'm going to get a cease and desist letter, but more just because like I want to make my own things, I guess. Um, I did draw Godzilla at one point because Godzilla is kind of cool. And so that one is called. God and then in parentheses, damn it, that hurts Zilla and it's Godzilla like stubbing his toe on a building. Cause I was I was watching the original Godzilla with a friend and I was like, he's so big, I bet I bet he like stubs his toe on buildings. Besides my uh my drawing, I do a little bit of felt work. I've done a few felt pieces. I'd like to get back to it where I just happened to have all this felt in my house and I would just cut it up into like little rectangles and squares and layer it on top of each other. And I like that just because it's very texture based and it's very different than, you know, uh, than drawing. And you use a lot of glue, obviously, and a lot of scissors. But it's fun. It's fun to try other stuff. I've done a little bit stuff with like Posca markers, um, but those are a little tricky for me because they're, you know, they're paint and I don't do much with paint. I'd certainly would like to at some point, but I kind of tend to stick to what I know and I just do the same things a lot, but it, it works out sometimes and you said primarily sharpie right for a lot of yeah i would like to ideally i would like myself to use other markers <laughs> but i just got used to sharpies and honestly it's tough because sharpies do not sharpie does not sell colors individually they sell black individually they sell blue individually and they sell red individually and then at some stores like blick or like michael's you can get a handful of the other colors individually but I use like the same 12 or 14 colors over and over again. So I run out of the same ones. And I was buying this big pack of like, I think it was like 60 Sharpies or something at Costco. And they had it for a good price. I think it was like 35. And if you don't buy it from Costco, which they stopped selling them apparently, which is very sad, it's like $60. And I don't want to spend $60 on all those markers all the time. So I might be forced to try other markers. We'll see. So like reach out to the Sharpie company and be like, I need you to make Doug's pack. I, it's like, that would be great. Like <laughs> I've looked online so much of like buying certain ones and there's like, so I use basically like rainbow. I have like an, I usually do an eight color rainbow. If I'm doing a regular rainbow, I'll do red, orange, yellow, green, 
light blue, darker blue, purple, and pink. And then I could do a nine with my other lighter pink. Um, mm -hmm. I don't include rainbow stuff in my drawings as much anymore, but I used to always include the rainbow colors just because they're very appealing colors, like pattern to the eye, and I like that. But I haven't been doing as much with those things. And then I'll use like, there's like a turquoise and a light green. And yeah, I use these very specific colors that just are very bright and happy and they're the ones that I'm used to using. So I draw with the Sharpies until like they're on their last breath and they're like, stop, like you're going to kill me. And I was like, you know, that's the risk you have to take. I was going to say with the, the rate at which and how much artwork it seems like you make, how, what is the lifespan of your, of a single Sharpie? The black ones go quick because the <laughs> black is pretty much what is used the most for the, for all the border stuff. Um, depends if it's a bigger drawing it could take like one and a half drawings until i it won't necessarily be dead but if it's not like crisp enough i'll probably just go to the next one um yeah it, it kind of depends on what i'm drawing and certain times like i have to switch up my color palette based on what i have available to me like i kind of ran out of this color so i can't use that and i'll use these other ones i do like you know softer color palettes sometimes but i choose to express myself with, like lots of brightness I like to draw happy things just because I've had, you know, my share of mental health issues and I, I certainly respect people who draw like, you know, sadder, darker subjects, you know, that's as much art expression as anything else. Um, but I just like to try to remind myself of like happy, fun things. So that's kind of just the way I tend to do it as well as just what I was exposed to a lot as a kid. Like that's what we had around the house. That's what I like to look at. Well, Doug, if people want to find your artwork or find you online, where can they find you? So my my Instagram is like mostly where I post the things, and that is at Lava Lamp Bebop. Uh, no spaces. It's like you know one word, Lava Lamp Bebop. Well, it's realistically it's two words, but the Instagram thing is one word. Um, and then I have an Etsy store where I have some of my stuff. I really need to be better about like uploading stuff there because I kind of just leave it there for a long time. It's, it's like etsy.com slash shop slash lava lamp bebop will probably take you there or something close to that. If not, you can see it on my Instagram. And then I also have, I have a T public store right now, which is one of those on demand printing things. I have mixed opinions on that. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good, but I have some of my designs there. If you want to like get shirts of them or certain things. And then I have some stuff at the Artbeat Cafe in Emmaus. Um, just if you'd like to see it, I have a few of my things there. And then I will be in Philadelphia on June 15th at 16th at the Punk Rock Flea Market. It will be my second time doing this. Uh, I did it in April and it was a really fun event. It'll be my, like I vended a few smaller events, but this is like pretty big event. So this will be my second time doing that. I'm very excited going into it. I just made a bunch more prints and stickers and... I'm considering maybe doing patches or what was the other thing? Keychains or something like that. I'd love to do enamel pins, but it's gonna that's gonna be too much work and time for the amount of or for the amount of time that I have left. Um but yeah, so that's in Philadelphia. I don't know exactly what the location is, but I have it like somewhere. It's called the Punk Rock Flea Market in Philadelphia, Ju July fifteenth and sixteenth, Saturday and Sunday. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for really just letting me ra like <laughs> ramble by myself. You probably had like four questions. And I just talked for 40 minutes straight. That's what it's all about. We're here to hear about you and about your artwork. So thank you so much. Yeah.
Thank you so much for listening. This episode marks the finale of season three of the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. We'll be back soon with a whole new set of episodes for season four. Keep your eyes out for announcements on social media. We'll be back soon.